You can support this podcast on Patreon. Our Patreon supporters receive a wide range of benefits, including written content and access to our exclusive databases, including our 2020 FBS team profiles, which are updated daily based on injury news, position battles, playing time, and other info. Available in Tier 2 and up. Visit patreon.com slash Edge to learn more. Hello and welcome back. It's the CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition, and I am here with, as always, Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. Follow Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. Follow me at Bogman Sports. Nick, actual on-field football things are happening right now. Pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. It, it It's a little weird. It, things feel somewhat normal for big, you know, chunks of the day when I'm going through and trying to make updates and find, you know, little notes, practice reports and things like that. It's it's weird. The, the season uh, has really kind of crept up on me, oddly enough. But yeah, we're, we're here. We're talking uh, actual football related things for the majority of the show, maybe, maybe not all of the show, but the majority of the show, and it feel good, feels good, you know. Xavier, you seem like you are pretty excited uh, about uh, us actually talking about on-field things. Yes, very much so. Um, I've been waiting for this moment for five and a half months now, and I think that uh, we're ready to go. Football season is right around the, right around the corner. I can taste the pigskin. Come on, <laughs> and we. We just watched before this started the uh, SEC shorts uh, video of the upcoming season where uh, the big it starts out with the Big Ten and the SEC fighting uh, about how the SEC can't go and uh, the Big Ten, they need the Big Ten and all that stuff. And then the ACC hops in the car and then the Big 12 asks Texas if it's OK and then hops in the car. So it, it's uh, I, it's it's all kind of over with. Right. I, I think we can. Uh, I know that Nebraska was going to appeal or whatever, and there's the hashtag we want to play from Justin Fields, and he's getting people to sign petitions and things like that, but none of that's going to work out. I mean, at the end of the day, that stuff is about liability. The Big Ten, Big Ten Pac-12 decided there's too much. So did the MAC and the Mountain West and a couple other schools, but uh, we're going to have football. We're going to have football. It, maybe it doesn't last the whole time. Maybe we only get a couple weeks of it. But we're getting football here real soon, Nick. So uh, I am absolutely pumped about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly looking that way. And, and of course, things, as we often say, seem to change daily or hourly. So, you know, maybe maybe keep a, a little bit of an even keel. I'll, I'll try my best not to get too excited as I, uh, for months, have tried not to get too uh, depressed. But, uh, <laughs> but you, you know, I mean, we, we, of course, have difficult things to navigate as you know, we've, we've uh, got some flare-ups in places like North Carolina, at Notre Dame, Appalachian State, Tulsa, uh, things like that. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't seem like, you know, it seems like those are kind of growing a little bit right now as, as uh, campuses are opening back up and, and a lot of them, you know, welcoming students back and then quickly deciding, okay, well, maybe actually we'll, 
will move to online. So a lot of moving parts still, but we've got practices, we've got uh, Zoom press conferences with coaches and players and, uh, you know, it, it certainly is looking like we're going to get something here pretty soon. So it is, it is exciting. And I think one of the main things to do here is uh, not panic when you see that there's been an outbreak at a school, if there has been, you know, if can't, uh, classes are canceled. I think the players have proven that they, most of them want to play. Some guys are opting out, but it seems to be the high-end guys that can do stuff in the NFL draft. Those are more the guys that are opting out. There are some, you know, lower end guys that, you know, uh, maybe not many people have heard of, but usually there's an underlying pre-existing condition or they live at home with someone who has a pre-existing condition, something along those lines. But I was actually very surprised. There's been very few big name opt outs as far as, and I guess I should knock on wood uh, as I'm saying this, there've been very few big name um, opt outs from the schools that, have decided to continue playing. Of course, we saw names like Rashad Bateman and Michael Parsons, who we talked about last week, their schools aren't even going to play anyway at this point. So um, until the spring and they're, you know, when you opt out, I believe you opt all the way out of the spring as well. Right, Nick, is that correct? Uh, it, seem, it seems like it. I mean, there we'll, we'll get to a few of the opt outs. There's, there's some notable names, but yeah, uh, but for the most part, the the big names, like you said, Rashad Bateman, Michael Parsons, and and some of the others we'll talk about, have opted out and said, "Okay, and I'm entering the 2021 NFL draft." And and there are uh, uh, you know one this this past week that or a couple actually that that uh, happened in the last few days. Warren Jackson at Colorado State, J. Tufele at, at USC, playing in the Mountain West and the Pac-12, respectively. They basically said, okay, yeah, we're, we're not going to stick around if there is a, a spring season. And, and we might still, you know, see some more of those. There seems to be some, uh, you know, NFL draft Twitter uh, folks that, that are reporting, you know, that, that it, there's movement for some of the, uh, you know, top 50, top 100 type guys to, to maybe continue to opt out. So I don't think we're done quite yet, but uh, for the most part, it seems that players are opting out and uh, saying they're going to the NFL draft or, as we'll get to a little bit later, we, we've got some G5 players who are opting out and entering the transfer portal and saying basically they kind of want to see this, you know, it sounds like they want to see this season sort of play out and then maybe put themselves in a position for 2021, maybe at a power five program or, or something like that. So, you know, every situation is different, but, but for the most part, at least at this point in the process, it seems uh, the opt outs are, like you said, guys that have actual medical, you know, a, a medical reason to do it, whether it's something pre-existing or whether they've, uh, had the virus or, or, you know, have some lingering effects or, or family members that do or did, uh, or they're pretty high on the list of, of likely NFL draft picks. And, and it just makes sense, you know, business decision to, to sit this year out and, and prepare uh, for the draft. Yeah, exactly. And there's been a, a little bit of concern at some campuses, Javier, like Florida State uh, had a little in Syracuse, they had a little bit of an issue with testing procedures and all that stuff. But I think we expect that to get worked out fairly quickly, right? 
Yeah, I would hope so. Um, this is going to be the thing that keeps players on the field, period. Um, and so this is what we have to correct. We have to get the kinks out now. Uh, like I said, I'd rather these things happening in August than in October. Uh, and, and, you know, once they kind of iron out the kinks on what they're going to have to do for testing, um, how much testing it's going to take, all of these things, I think we'll get to a place where at least we can be a little bit more comfortable with college football being played at this moment. Um, like I said, I think this is the most important part of all of this is testing and consistent testing. Like I said, we talked about it in last week's episode with the NBA. They take, they take test players every single day, and they have not had a positive test in about three or four weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, they just announced today that they didn't have another positive test. Uh, they went another 350 people without a positive test again. So that, that this is the most important part testing and making sure people stay negative and continue to be negative um, well into the season is, is the most important part. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, I, I, I think uh, I, I know for me, I'll just speak for myself. I didn't give many of these college kids credit as far <laughs> as saying the, these guys are going to not test positive for a while. And look, to be fair, there are still plenty of guys popping positive and, and stuff with this. But I think the number overall has been much lower than what I expected it to be uh, coming in. So as long as it stays that way, we should be good. But there's going to be a team at some point. I mean, we can't keep the Marlins and Cardinals from doing it. These guys getting paid millions of dollars. So uh, it's, it's going to happen at some school. But I think the important thing is now is to – just try to make it happen and adjust when things go wrong. You know, that's all you can really do in uh, this type of a situation that we have go okay. going here. And uh, the very first games are going to be starting on Thursday, September 3rd. And it's going to be South Alabama on the road against Southern Miss. So the countdown, Nick, today is officially 15 games. And there's a couple other ones in that. And I'll throw up week one. <laughs> I guess we're still calling it week one. Are we calling it that? <laughs> Arkansas, uh, Arkansas State at Memphis, SMU at Texas State, Middle Tennessee at Army, and BYU at Navy in the North Texas and Marshall are going to play some FCS opponents. So we got some games on the docket here in just over two weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty exciting, and and I think it's you know particularly kind of interesting that we're getting G five programs first. And it makes sense, you know, based on how we've seen the rollout of the conference only schedules at the power five level or, or conference predominant schedules at, at the power five level. But uh, it'll be an opportunity for us to dive a little deeper on some of these teams with a, uh, you know, with a, a week one quote unquote, that's just a handful of games. Uh, one of which will be on its own on a, on a Thursday night. We'll really have an opportunity to see some of these teams up close and personal that might have been overlooked on a you know opening week when uh, maybe we had some big time you know big name Power Five matchups and you know I think uh, West Virginia Florida State for example was a mm -hmm. game that uh, got canceled unfortunately Georgia and Virginia you know teams like that 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 probably would have overshadowed uh, these games for the most part. And so You're it'll, telling it'll me be Georgia good. and Virginia would have overshadowed Arkansas State and Memphis? Well, it was, it was a Monday night game, so that was a bad example. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the, uh, 
just just you know those types of games sec versus acc big 12 you know that we get really most excited for those most of us not everyone of course but uh this will this will be a really nice opportunity to like i was watching uh, today while i was doing some work on a, a, a projections project had uh georgia southern south alabama on in the background just so i can you know try to try to hear some names and, and uh, look back at, at, you know, highlight plays and, and things like that. So starting to familiarize myself a, a little bit more than I would normally with South Alabama, with, you know, Texas State, Middle Tennessee. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit excited about that. I think we'll have an opportunity to uh, dive in a little deeper on our preview shows. And, and then as we watch, uh, get a closer look at, at some of these teams that we might otherwise miss or might be overshadowed. Uh, week to week. This Javier, is, 15 days, man. 15 days till we get football. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I was, you know, I'm not going to lie. Nick is a very persuasive human being. So coming in here week after week and Nick was like, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not, I've, you know, it was just, I was me, and, and, and it was just giving me the facts. It was just like, <laughs> I guess hockey it is. Fake news all the way around. <laughs> but no, I'm excited. Uh, this gives us an opportunity to watch and talk about some teams that typically don't get the spotlight. Um, you know, like yeah. I said, these games are going to be on ESPN, ESPN2. Uh, these guys won't get pushed to ESPN. You or ESPN3. You won't necessarily need a cable provider to watch these games. And, and that's that's a positive. I think for the kids, that's a positive. For the schools, that's going to be great. And obviously for college football fans, I think that we'll be able to – learn a little bit more this is this is not for the casuals um as i like to put it you know this isn't for the for the people who are like but where's texas where's oklahoma this is gonna be this is for us these are for the diehards these are for the people who who listen to this beautiful podcast who are like yes college football is back at any level i don't care let's watch it come on give it to me I, I felt like this is you were going to say this is not for people like Xavier who uh, don't like anyone that can't compete for a national title. Oh my God. Can't compete for a national title. I don't care to watch you. That's what Xavier says. If we're just making stuff up, I'm going to start making stuff up too, Xavier. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, look, fall camps look different right now. You know, there's uh, very, very limited media availability. Most of that is going to be kept to Zoom meetings. So, uh, for those of you that are fan, uh, fan of gigantic awkwardness and weird uh, phone calls and uh, people talking when they shouldn't be talking and all that kind of stuff, you're going to continue to get weird Zoom press conferences after games. So that's going to keep happening, and that's happening right now. And you know, as a result of that, we are kind of uh, left to examine practice reports and scrimmage notes and. Uh, you know, we talked about Miami a bunch yesterday, Nick, on the ITL CFF podcast. So where where do the practice reports come from? Do they come from coaches? Do they come from like a university student beat writer or something? Like where do we get those? Yeah, and and it depends. I mean, it could be could be any. I I subscribe to the Athletic. They've got a, a team yeah. that does a really great job. Uh, your local newspaper or newspapers, you know, about the uh, around the country. Uh, are doing a great job, you know, best they can in, in these circumstances. And uh, we, we basically, I think at this point, you know, I'll take information anyway I can get it. I've got, 
Google alerts set up for certain keywords, you know, fall yeah. camp and injury report and, and things like that. And, and try to, you know, once a day, get those delivered and, and sift through and find the most important things uh, on Twitter. I'm always scrolling through, follow as many beat reporters, team sites, all that good stuff. And, and anytime I see something of note, uh, basically send myself an email, build a list and then spend an hour or two going through and updating the uh, FBS team profile. So, you know, any, any information we can get, uh, I will, I will certainly take it, but yeah, beat reporters are, are really, you know, doing the best that they can at this point. But uh, a lot of it, they're, they're kind of, uh, you know, re- reporters for the most part are, are always doing their best to, to get to the truth, find the, the most important information. But at, at this stage, unfortunately, they kind of have to rely on the coaches and, and football coaches are notorious for, you know, lying. Not, <laughs> well, yeah, or just not, or I'm not lying, give, but... trying to keep things close to the best. Try not to yes. give yes. too much yeah. away because when they're not lying. They are keeping it close to the vest. Very, very correct. So, I mean, look. When they're not lying, they're just being paranoid. Yeah, it's not really lying when you say, uh, you know, I don't know who the starter is or whatever when you clearly know who it is. I I, I think we would all call that gamesmanship rather than just a flat-out lie. But, uh, you know, we live in a black-and-white world right now. A lot of people want to uh, just straight-up call it lying. But, I mean – like Nick said, they're playing it close to the vest. And when, when it's head coaches, you know, and it's hard to to tell because we're getting a little bit of this in the NFL as well, guys, where, you know, media is very, very limited in in these places because I mean, if you're not going to allow 10 players on an NFL uh, team, they bump the team down from 90 to 80 to start camp this year. Then why are you going to let more media people in? Right. Mm -hmm. What's the point of cutting people off? So, uh, I think, you know, hard knocks and maybe a couple local beat people. That's it. That, those are the only people that are allowed in. It's not they're not handing out media passes willy nilly anymore. So we're getting a lot of that, too, where uh, you're listening to the coaches. But it, I don't believe a word Pete Carroll says about anything. Right. And it's not because he's a liar. It's because he is so excited about every player on his roster. They're yeah. all having an amazing offseason. They're all in incredible shape. They all can contribute on special teams, offense, and defense, and they can all lead the league in passing, like every player. So it's just ridiculous. You know, he's so super Pollyanna. Bruce Arians, I feel like, just says whatever comes to his mind, and he doesn't care if it makes sense or not at all. He's like, uh, yeah, Tare Ungabola is going to be a big part of our offense. So, really? Uh, what about that uh, rookie you just drafted? Yeah, he hasn't been here. He's behind. So Ronald Jones is a guy. Really? That's just just, just like that. That's it. You know, no, no uh, you're not going to give him some practices. He's just behind because he had COVID. Like, I don't know. So it's very trying to suss out these reports is uh, sometimes tough to know which, uh, you know, coaches to trust and which ones not to trust. But we're going to find out. This is going to be an off season of finding out who the trustworthy coaches are and, and things like that, in which beat reporters are giving us the great information about X, Y, or Z looking really good in camp too. Um, so, uh, but you know, some, some things are kind of familiar here. I like how you listed this as a transition here that um, Eli Drinkwood says he will not announce a starting quarterback before the season opener against Alabama on September 6th. 
And he said, I'm just creating a workload for somebody forcing Alabama to scout multiple quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, with his coaching history, uh, the quarterbacks are going to be uh, rampant and strange, right? Yeah, and I thought this was an interesting quote because, you know, this is a, a head coach kind of uh, a, a new strategy, I guess, is, and I, I mean, we've heard it, I guess, uh, here and there before, but uh, a coach that says, I I will know who my starting quarterback is, but I'm not going to say it because I want some GA in Tuscaloosa to have to, you know, go through and, and log, you know, whether it's Sean Robinson's games from TCU or, uh, you know, the, their new offensive coordinator was in Washington most recently. Eli Drinkowitz has been at Appalachian State and, and NC State. And, uh, and then, you know, a couple of guys who've been on the roster from uh, leftover from Missouri who played a, a handful of uh, games and snaps last year. So, uh, so you know, kind of an interesting uh, take. I, in, in one hand, appreciate his uh, sort of honesty about saying that he's not going to say anything. I don't know that necessarily means anything because, you know, we, we do now have a, an Sean official. <laughs> uh, we do have a, right, exactly. I agree. It's going to be Sean <laughs> Robinson. But, uh, but also, I mean, you know, we've got now an official SEC schedule and we've got some uh, sports books that have already offered uh, lines on that their week one, which is not the week one we were talking about earlier, but September uh, 26th. And, and Missouri is like a, you know, 21 and a half point underdog. So I don't think this gamesmanship is, is going to be the difference between Missouri <laughs> uh, yeah. upsetting Alabama or not, but, but you know, it's, it is, uh, somewhat refreshing, feels somewhat normal, I guess, to hear a head coach say like, oh, no, we don't know who our quarterback's going to be. Could be anybody. And, and is, we're like, yeah, it's going to be Sean Robinson. Is there anything from the practice reports that you're like really looking for? Like maybe X, you know, was playing with the ones or, uh, you know, we talked about the practice game in Miami yesterday and we were talking about how um, who's the tight end, who's the tight end that filled in for Brevin Jordan? Oh, Will Mallory. Will Mallory. Like he had a great game, mm-hmm. but 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 you pointed out like he was playing against walk-ons and guys like that. So right. Uh, well, we think so, and that's another thing to to keep in mind is because you know we're hearing certain things, and Manny Diaz, I think, is similar to what you were talking about. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll loves every every player. Manny yeah. Diaz, I get a little bit of a vibe that he's very positive about those sort of things, and and uh, really for some reason is, is talking up, you know, the offense and, and the changes they've made there. And, and Miami released, as you alluded to some stats of, you know, uh, true freshman running backs, both ran for a hundred yards. Will Mallory caught a few touchdown passes. De'Eric King looked incredible. And then the athletic as a beat reporter, Manny Navarro, who uh, did some sleuthing and, and, you know, looked real closely at some of the highlight clips that the official Miami uh, media, you know, the sports information department released. And, and he was like, okay, well, Mallory, yeah, that's a nice looking catch, but this guy's a walk on that guy's a third stringer, you know? So, so uh, we do have to maybe pay a little bit closer attention or, or hope that the people we're getting our information from are, are paying that close of attention. We're not just reading on the school's official website, Derek King threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns against you know the water boy and and so we, we kind of uh, so we have to we have to keep our eyes and ears open and, and not 
get too high on a, a particular note like that, but also uh, not be too skeptical. Try to pick out bits and pieces. The, the, the buzzwords I often listen for are things related to speed, things related to physicality, related to athleticism. If, if a player or if a coach is really, you know, talking up somebody just sort of as a, a physical, you know, physical traits, I think we can, for the most part, take those at face value. And so if I hear this guy's the fastest guy on the team, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to make a note. And then, you know, knowing he's the fastest guy on the team, I can sort of judge other guys based on that a, a little bit, but also, you know, just kind of keep that that little nugget in mind. I, I don't drill into the, the depths of, okay, this guy's lining up in the slot. This guy's, you know, uh, playing a hybrid uh, role or, or whatever. I, 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 I try to, I guess, pay attention to that a little bit, but I, I don't uh, harp on it too much. Uh, I look for the starting lineup at the offensive line. That doesn't get hidden very much. You know, coaches aren't really going to mess too much with, oh, yeah, this guy did uh, line up with the ones as our left guard, but really this other guy, he's, he's who we're going to play at left guard. So, the, you know, those are the things that I, I – Offensive line and, and speed and athleticism and physicality are, for the most part, what I'm what I'm looking for. Xavier, what are you paying attention to with all of the reports coming out of these camps? So my biggest, obviously, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is injuries. That that's number one. If, yeah. if a guy gets hurt right now, whatever it is at this point, high ankle sprain or anything, it's a big injury because of how quickly the turnaround is going to happen. We just hit it on the head. Two weeks from now, we'll have games starting. So if a guy were to get a hamstring injury or a quad strain right now, that's a four to six week kind of, you know, that you're yeah. playing with right there. So any any kind of injury right now is a major. Uh, the other thing, I, I don't really look at physical. Um, I, I really actually don't really like that all too much when somebody says like, oh, he's the fastest kid on the team. Because what is that? In what way is he the fastest at 100 are you yards? Gonna, are you going to Allen Iverson us right now? Well, no, say, it, it, we no, talk no. about practice well, to an extent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like, because like, if he, it, I was the fastest kid on the team in 10 yards, but if we ran 60 yards, I'd get dusted in the wind. So like, you know, what is he the fastest in? Uh, so, you know, it, it's one of those situations where like, I think we have to be very, very short with practice at the moment because a lot of people aren't going to play one versus ones right now. It's just not going to happen. That's just too much of a risk to do with such a quick turnaround. The mo at the most, they'll probably play one versus twos, and that even is too much of a stretch uh, because, once again, your twos are just as important in a shortened season than your ones are. Uh, so I, I, I like that people have been able to do their due diligence and go back and see that that guy's a third string, that guy's a walk-on. But more than anything, what you're looking for is the positions that it's going to take continuity. So the quarterback position. Yes, he could have thrown for 400 yards against walk-ons. However, he's getting meaningful reps with his receivers that later on in the year are going to mean something on third and 10 when he has to throw a back shoulder fade. You know, so those are the kind of things that I'm looking at when it comes to a continuity standpoint. You said the same thing about the offensive line. The offensive line needs as many reps together as they possibly can before they hit somebody else that's not in the same color as them because of the fact that it's a continuity thing. To know your, the guy to your left and to your right when, you know, a double team or a twist or anything happens to where, you know, you can rely on that guy to your left and your right. So more of continuity type situations is what I'm looking for, and obviously injuries. Uh, um, I think most media isn't even allowed 
to take pictures at this point. Uh, so I think most of it is just schools are releasing highlights. I know, like in the pros, they like the Falcons just allowed the meet. They just they just took the media ban off today uh, in their yeah. training camp. So now guys can start kind of taking pictures and things of that nature. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, great. So now we can see how many uh, people want to talk about Todd Gurley's limp. That'll be real fun. I, I, I'm with you, Xavier. I'm looking for uh, injury stuff and real sol solid depth chart information, I think, mm -hmm. is what uh, I'm looking forward to. Nick, you had something else to add there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Xavier, you brought up a, a really interesting point about how, you know, our, our ones going against ones, our ones going against twos and threes and, and things like that. And that's an important note because something I've noticed uh, in, you know, researching and, and trying to read through some of these reports uh, there are a couple of examples that uh, this week Temple, uh, I read something about how the city of Philadelphia only is only allowing Temple or, or I guess any gathering, but they're limited to 50 people. So you can't have a full scale practice with all 100 whatever players. Uh, so you have to get creative. I know West Virginia, I'm not sure if this is like a city city ordinance thing or something they just decided to do to try to keep, you know, distances and, and you know, things like that. But they're practicing in multiple sessions. They're having a, a you know, a, a, a morning session and a, and a midday or, or afternoon session. And in both of those reports specifically, I, I don't know the details. They didn't mm -hmm. say that it's okay. You know, all the ones offense and defense are in this session. And then we're having like basically a JV practice or, you know, the, the top 25 guys on offense and then the, uh, you know, next 25 guys on defense. So it's kind of a ones plus and then two minus situation. So uh, there are a lot of different things that these teams could be doing. They could switch oh. it up day to day. Monday might be ones and ones. You know, Tuesday might be uh, a mix. There might be a special teams heavy day. You know, we just, and we, I don't know. <laughs> and we talked about it on, on uh, ITL, Nick, where um, it, it might be where you want to keep guys away from each other in case, you know, one quarterback gets COVID. Maybe you don't mm -hmm. want them all three in the room. Same thing with running backs, wide receivers, and uh, offensive linemen and stuff. So they may yeah. be sparsing out that stuff too. Specifically, I think if, uh, I think that would, be implemented more if you know they, they showed up and 20 kids tested positive something like that and, and some of these schools are shutting down because that i know mm. unc just did you know they said we're going to go back to all zoom classes because they had an outbreak mm -hmm. on campus with students when they shut down football there. practice right before we started recording and, and said they're not going to yeah. do anything for the next 24 hours at least and sort of figure out Appalachian State, I think, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. canceled. So, yeah. Uh, what, yeah. On that note, I mean, you know, thinking, uh, keeping guys apart, what happens if an offensive lineman comes down with you know? yeah. I mean, it? Yeah. It, it's, you can't, uh, there. if one guy gets it, it seems like everybody would. So yeah, and, and whoever they're playing against on the defensive line will probably have it as well. So, that I mean, that's, a, that's the big thing about testing. You got to be careful and you got to, you know, these guys – they have to, you got to realize you're responsible if you're on a team like that. And this is why guys opt out and I don't blame them. It's a lot of responsibility. You know, it's a lot of responsibility to say, okay, not only am I responsible for my actions, but you know, I, I now that I know I could easily give this to my teammates, I'm holding them responsible for my health and they're holding me responsible for their health. So it's just a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask any person, but it's a lot to ask, you know, a, 
a, a young, young adult who is just entering college or, you know, barely through college and uh, has a lot on their plate with not only football, but school and all kinds of, you know, personal life stuff. So everyone's story is different. It's, it's tough to ask these guys to do this and there's too many of them. That's why we can't bubble them up. So even if you could, I like, I highly doubt you're going to be able to do it in college basketball and their rosters while bigger than the NBA aren't going to be, uh, enormous but you can't ask those kids to bubble it's too much it's too much to ask maybe in the march madness tournament that's when you can do it but other than that you, you can't uh, you can't do it beforehand so. well go ahead you've seen we, we talked about this five or six episodes back if you're listening to this go do some homework and go back and look for it but <laughs> we talked about them releasing helmets with the screens on them yeah they're actually using them i i you were afraid of the fogging, right? Yes, highly. Oh, yeah. um, and just breathability, and, and too. Being able to breathe, uh, you know, playing at 97 degrees when you can't, when everything is being covered is just sounds, like, awful. Uh, but they, I've seen some footage of people, uh, specifically Georgia and others, using the mat, the, the full face shields um, in practice. Uh, I haven't heard any complaints so far. Maybe the material mm -hmm. is breathable. Um, and I, I think... You know. I've heard some things. Some, some, teams have moved, some teams have already ditched them and, and gone to like a a, a like you a, know, paper mask. a mask type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's I mean I'm sure some guys probably are doing okay with it. Some guys are having trouble, and some guys like to complain about everything. So well, uh, yeah. I think if I was um, like if I was a defensive back or a wide receiver where you're out there playing one on one, I think I'd kind of want that. I think if I'm on the line, I'm like, if I'm getting it, I'm getting it. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, a mask isn't going to help on the line. You know, you're grabbing people every single play. So I mean, maybe I'd want it for, uh, as a wide receiver or an off ball something, but I'd I mean, love it as a defensive end. I mean, the idea that somebody couldn't punch me in the mouth as a block anymore sounds beautiful to me. You gotta punch through a screen. There's no one of these. Like, you know, I'll take it. So, uh, you know, from, from that perspective, I'll take it. Uh, but when you're that close to somebody, yeah, like you said, I think yeah. it's just inevitable. Nah. Something, something's going to get passed. You can still get ear hold. So uh, don't, don't worry about that. But uh, we, we, we do have some uh, we do have some opt-out news here. And like I said, you know, it there's not a ton, but there are a couple big names. One of them came down this morning, and I I hate it when that happens because I literally put up the ITL CFF pod, you know, whatever, what, 12 hours ago. And uh, and now, uh, you know, we get this info here. But uh, Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks has opted out, and Wake Forest wide receiver Sage Surratt uh, opted out, along with uh, LSU defensive back Kerry Vinton. And uh, defensive lineman Justin Thomas, they uh, both have left the team as well. So, Nick, some big, big P5 names opting out here. Yeah, Kennedy Brooks was uh, a, a bit of a surprise. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be uh, surprised when we hear this news, but it, it was a very notable uh, name when it, when it came across because I was really – expecting big things from Kennedy Brooks this year with Oklahoma going to Spencer Rattler at, as their new starting quarterback. And, and he's, you know, former five-star guy. He's the Oklahoma offense has been a well-oiled machine. So we certainly expect big passing numbers, but as they were, you know, looking to get 
Rattler acclimated and a lot of new faces in the receiving core and, and things like that. I, I expected Oklahoma would lean pretty heavily on Brooks and a pretty veteran, uh, solid offensive line, especially early in the season. And Brooks is really, really good. He's, he's run for uh, a thousand yards in each of the last two seasons. Uh, I, I expected with Jalen Hurts gone after he ran for 20 touchdowns last year, Brooks was going to get a lot more carries at the goal line. So I thought that he had an opportunity to put up another thousand yard season, maybe double digit touchdowns. And, and, you know, Oklahoma's got a little bit of a, a depth concern at, at running back. I mean, with Brooks gone with Ramadre Stevenson, uh, still we expect to be suspended the first five games. Uh, you know, they, they're going to be relying on some guys that, that haven't played a big role. Trey Sermon, of course, we've talked about before transferred to Ohio state. And, and unfortunately his season's been uh, postponed. And, and so they're going to be relying on, uh, I think a, a committee, TJ Pledger, Marcus major. We've heard some, some good things, some early reports from uh, camp about them. True freshman Seth McGowan probably will be able to, to get in the mix. So uh, I, I expect that they'll spread the ball around between those three most likely, but now, it, you know, you have to think, okay, Maybe they will really just sort of let Spencer Rattler just rip it and, and see what happens. So uh, it, it's it's interesting. The running back position, I mean, I know in analytics communities, it, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, how much do running running backs don't matter and, and whatever. But Kennedy Brooks was a solid player and, and was productive. And, and now, you know, not being able to rely on somebody like that is is going to hurt them from a depth standpoint for sure. So uh, I, I I don't know that it will have a, a major overall impact. This didn't shift our power rating on Oklahoma, you know, a huge bit. They dropped maybe a, a spot or two, but uh, still favored in all the games we had them favored in prior. But, you know, from a depth issue, and, and if you are to get into the middle of a season and, and have an injury issue with the guys that remain or, or something like that, you know, it, it, they could, they could really be in need of, of some playmakers of that position. So it's, it's certainly not nothing. And, and uh, I'm disappointed that we don't get to see Kennedy Brooks this year, but uh, certainly don't, you know, blame him for, for opting out. Yeah. I mean, whatever the reason is you can't blame these kids for, for opting out. So you know, whatever his reasoning is, you know, good on him. And we'll see you next season, Kennedy, you know, that it, it's fine. But uh, I think the one thing that, um, because you're right, running back is almost a plug and play position, especially at a university like Oklahoma, where you're just getting four and five star recruits constantly, or you're getting really good, you know, kids transferring in from Juco teams and stuff like that. But Xavier, I think we want, the, the thing is, is you want experience behind that, uh, you know, that first year starter quarterback in Spencer Rattler. And that's really what you're losing when you lose a guy like Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, they were already losing a bunch of production at the skill level position, you know, with CeeDee Lamb leaving and going to the draft, um, as well so as. Then she was uh, <laughs> excited. She just, walks away. she just walks away. That was beautiful. <laughs> I like yeah, I heard her voice. Anyways, guest voice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're losing a bunch of production with CD Lamb being gone, anyways, and now that same production is being lost out the backfield. You're really asking Spencer Rattler to do it all from his position at this point, and you're asking him to be the, um, you know, he's going to rely on some guys at the receiver position who have yet to play that number one spot, and now he has to rely on guys at the running back position that have not 
toted the rock nearly as much as Kennedy Brooks have. Now, you said something just a second ago that I don't think is going to happen, Scott. You said we'll see you next year. Yeah, I think we will for an NFL team. I think he's done. Uh, right. I, you know, he's had two back-to-back, a thousand yards. We're still going to see him next year, right? Yeah, that's I mean, that, that's technically you know, so, some of us year. will. Yeah, <laughs> you'll see him next year. You'll watch more NFL. No, he won't. You know, I'm going to buy Nick's Sunday ticket. Now he's going to be forced to watch it. Um, <laughs> well, you get get you, know, you better harvest your kidney. It ain't cheap. I got so, this dude discount. Do you really? Yeah, it's like I mean, buy bucks. me Sunday tickets. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that Kenny Brooks is going to go to the league, uh, a back-to-back thousand-yard rusher. He really has no reason to return to college football unless he feels like you know a Travis Etienne type situation where uh, he thinks he'll win a championship with Oklahoma next season. Uh, but he, he's been a great servant for the team, and I think that you know it, it's it's a good. Yeah, I think the guy that we're talking about in a second, the complete opposite uh, for him uh, for opting out. But once again, any reason to opt out right now is a good is a good enough reason for me. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. What about Sage Sherratt uh, stepping away from Wake Forest? I mean, I know we said Kennedy Brooks didn't impact their ratings a bunch, but Sage Sherratt probably mm-hmm. sunk Wake Forest, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and our numbers have been pretty low on Wake Forest. I uh, They're 10th in our ACC power ratings, 56th overall. Uh, before Surratt decided to step away, they had a top 40 receiving unit and, and they have a, a the only other top 40 unit that they've got the defensive line with boogie basham uh so it's a, it's a big loss i mean wake forest is a team in transition obviously jamie newman uh has moved on and and our numbers didn't love them already they they really took a hit with the uh, strength of schedule when the acc went to uh the the what is it, nine or 10 plus one model. Uh, so, you know, they they were, I think, in, in for a pretty long season. I mean, we've only got them expected to win, you know, a little over three games. Uh, and, you know, I, that hasn't even really factored in Sage Surratt. So it's probably going to be uh, under three games, I would expect, once we adjust those win probabilities. But a big loss because he, you know, he was the nation's leading excuse me, uh, receiver before he went down with a season ending injury. And in, I believe week 11, uh, last weeks or oh, last, last year. And, and yeah, he was, he was excellent. Uh, really, really solid player. Uh, seems to be in the mix maybe as a, a potential, uh, you know, first couple of rounds type guy. He's not the fastest guy, but, but, you know, pretty physical, uh, receiver and, and has been productive. And so, uh, he was, far and away the best player on the Wake Forest offensive uh, roster. And, and, you know, now guys uh, who we already, you know, expected a, a guy like Donovan Green, who flashed some big time ability in, in just four games last year. But he probably steps into that number one role because Wake Forest uh, lost, you know, uh, in, in addition to Surratt, they'd already lost Kendall Hilton, who had a thousand yards out of the slot. They had Scotty Washington, who was the big, you know, the, 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 the big target, uh, and, and was a big play guy actually led their team with 17, uh, yards per catch and, and caught seven touchdowns in only eight games. So, uh, Jake Frudenthal, the, the tight end. So they're basically starting over, 
at the receiver position for, for Sam Hartman, the, the new quarterback. So it's going to be a big loss. And, and, you know, Wake Forest is already operating at a bit of a talent disadvantage in, in just about every game. They were neck and neck there with, with Syracuse, but uh, did actually rerun the, the talent edges for, for Wake Forest. And, and they're now uh, basically even with, with Syracuse from a, a talent standpoint. So that's not not necessarily where you want to be if, if you're looking to, to try and get back to a bowl game for, for Wake Forest. But, uh, you know, business decision for, for Sage Sherrod. It sounds like it sounds like his brother, Chaz, at North Carolina still uh, is planning to play. So uh, not necessarily a, a family decision, it sounds like. But, and uh, Right. I, I think that's it. And, and, and you know, it, it's certainly disappointing if, if you're a Wake Forest fan looking forward to watching one of the best receivers you've had in a while. And, and he was going to get a lot of balls thrown his way with, with that turnover on the uh, in the receiving core. But uh, Wake Forest, I think, is is potentially, you know, headed for a, a pretty long season, especially after losing one of their most important weapons uh, early to the NFL draft. All right, Xavier, give me a reason to watch Wake Forest this season. Now that Sage Sherrod's gone. Oh, the quarterback, Hartman, he he's a baller. I, I love him. I think that, okay. yeah, I, I think uh, there was a reason why Jamie Newman had to win back his job last year. Uh, this this guy can sling the ball around the yard. He's a gunslinger. He trusts his arm a lot, uh, maybe to his own detriment at times, but it, that makes him fun to watch. He's a guy who's going to throw for 4,000 yards and the touchdowns and interceptions, I don't know. That's the kind of player he is. He's going to put the ball in the air. He's going to give guys a chance to uh, to catch the football. And that's why I think missing Sage Surratt is going to be huge because that was going to be his 50-50 guy. That was going to be the go get it. I'm throwing it 35 yards, and you better come down with it. Um, you Hopefully know, we'll see Donovan Green step in. Donovan yeah. Green could do that, but, but Surratt – yeah, not having him is going to. But I do think I do think that last year not having both Washington and Surratt down the stretch is going to help them out. Uh, they're not they're in a very unique situation where they had a lot of young receivers play in big games last year as they were fighting for bowl eligibility and also in the bowl game last year. Uh, so I think that's a unique situation for them. For Surratt, I genuinely thought he needed one more year to become that third round receiver. I thought he needed one more year of production. One more year to show that this is what I can do on a big level. And more than anything, a year showing him, showing the, the world that his knee injury isn't going to hamper him any more than he already was from a speed standpoint. Nick hit it right on the head. As far as pure speed, he's not that kind of guy. He's a jump ball guy. He's a 50-50 kind of dude. Uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Cam Sutton out of SMU, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who played uh, – no, no? Cortland Sutton. Oh, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who played at SMU. Uh, I, he reminds me of him, not very gifted for speed, but he can get up. He's got great hands, great ball skills in the air. Uh, but it, I think he needed another year of production to make him one of those first first to third round guys. Now I see him probably in the fourth or sixth round, fourth through sixth round, unless he has a really, really good combine. Uh, but hey, once again, you sit out, no reason to risk another injury after what happened last year. And you or getting COVID. You know. Either one. Yeah, that's an injury in itself. So, I might, might, might as well at this point. If right. you don't feel that you're going to be able to you know, gain anything from coming back, might as well sit out. Now, LSU uh, lost a defensive back, Kerry Vincent and Justin Thomas. Nick, how is that going to impact the Tigers? Yeah, so so Vincent opted out and is, is going into the NFL draft. He's another guy that's you know in the mix, in the conversation as a, a potential uh, first rounder if things work out combine-wise, but you know, 
uh, a, a first half of the draft type guy for sure. Uh, Justin Thomas, it, it sounds like, left the team, uh, and and I think just before we started recording, saw that he's he's in the transfer portal. So a little bit different situation, but two more guys that you know off that LSU defense from last year, and I, I was looking at uh, the numbers, and I tweeted. Uh, some of these out a a day or two ago, but LSU now returns 40% of their total tackles from last season, which ranks 124th nationally. They return 29% of their tackles for loss, also 124th, 35% of their sacks, 118th, 48% of their pass breakups, 98th. So that's a pretty veteran number there, at least with, with mm. uh, Stingley. Uh, but uh, only 37% of their Havoc plays. So, you know, all those plays that uh, lead to potentially big plays like interceptions, force fumbles, things like that. So They gave a lot to the and, NFL. <laughs> they did, yes. absolutely. And, and you know, they, they brought in Jabril Cox. They do have. Derek Stingley, who's arguably the best defensive player left in, in college football this year. Uh, so there's talent. They, of course, recruit incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, but depth is certainly an issue. Experience at a lot of spots is an issue. Uh, so it's it's notable. I mean, this is just another uh, another couple of losses for, for LSU defensively. They're going to probably have to win uh, quite a few shootouts. And, and the secondary – you know, with Stingley, uh, with Vincent, who, who, you know, of course, came back, had an opportunity maybe to go uh, into the 2020 NFL draft, but but opted to come back. And, and then, you know, Jacoby Stevens, that that really was the strength of this, uh, definitely the, the defensive unit, you know, and, and in the mix with the receiving core, maybe for the, the team as a whole. But big loss. I mean, LSU is still in the top five in our, our power rate. And, and, you know, number three in the SEC. But uh, I'm, I'm really nervous about just the extreme uh, amount of, of production that they lost, particularly on defense and, and, I mean, offense as well. Joe Burrow had a historically great year. So LSU is, is still, I think, getting, you know, boosted a little bit off of last year's results. And our numbers do take that into account some. But I'm, I'm really – uh, getting nervous about the amount of, of production that they lost and having to jump immediately into an SEC season uh, is going to be difficult. I mean, they don't have the toughest games, you know, first, so they can uh, perhaps have a little time to, to get up to speed before they've got to, have to treat play those the heavyweights. Like right. Right. But, but, you know, Mississippi State's not not going to be a pushover, I don't think. I mean, they're, not a, they're not an elite team, but uh, – LSU is going to have to come to play. It's not going to be like open up against what's, Georgia Southern. What's the spread year. on that? Well, what's the spread on that game? Do you have for it? for <laughs> us? We've got Mississippi State is uh, fourteen and a half, uh, or excuse me, excuse me. We've got LSU, oh, LSU. As, a, as a fourteen and a half point uh, favorite. Let me look I'm up what I'm taking that one. Yeah, I'm taking right LSU. I think I would take that, especially with. Uh, you would take it for Mississippi or for LSU? Yeah, for Mississippi. The the with, uh-huh. yeah. So I think I think we've got it a little tighter than the odds makers. So I, I did a quick, just sort of a quick hitter write up for our patrons a couple of days ago when they posted these. Uh, let me let me pull it up because the DraftKings taking a little. I longer. bet it's going to be around twenty two points in LSU's favor uh, from from the website. Uh, 
the uh, open was 17 and a half. Yeah. So, and a half. so that, so in, in our numbers, and that's it, on September 26th. That's the first game. Correct. Yeah. Yep, that's that's the first game. So the, our, our numbers still include two and a half points for home field advantage, which I probably should reduce that to at least one and a half, maybe one. Uh, I've heard some conversation that Bill Connolly uh, sounds like he's going to move his home field advantage down to one point. And, and I understand that. So we could adjust that and, and that would make this uh, LSU 16. So still a little bit on the, the Mississippi State side, but uh, LSU has a, a huge talent advantage still uh but you know their <laughs> experience uh is is going to be a bit of an issue and they're going up against a brand new offense mm-hmm. uh that mississippi state is is putting into place so there there are some reasons to think that mississippi state i think could keep this close early and we're talking about a game that's more than a month away but uh you know the the the, the number itself uh you know the, the numbers are shrinking for LSU. And, I'll, and I, I'll yeah, take I'll LSU that. at, uh, at uh, plus uh, or minus, excuse me, what are you, 17? 17 I'll take and a half. It, I'll take LSU minus 17 and a half. You want Mississippi State at plus 17 and a half, Xavier? Oh, yeah. That secondary without Kerry Vincent relying on a, on a lot of youth with that offense that they're going to run, where they're going to stretch you out five wide and say, we're going to use your fifth or sixth guy off your bench. Oh yeah. Okay. Give me that. All I, right. I, Look, I'll, take it. Like, I'll take it too. I'll take it. Lo- too. Looks like we, we've <laughs> got a bet here. Xavier, uh, do you want to sing the LSU fight song? If you I lose, absolutely will. you know what? <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll sing Mississippi state and I'll do it in the LSU Jersey. My dad's an LSU fan. I, oh, will, wow. I will. Yes, I will do that. And I'll record it for him. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Somebody, somebody well, write this down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll remember. I'll remember this bet for sure. So because I, I've got to go find uh, the uh, the version of LSU's fight song with no lyrics in it, so I can play mm-hmm. it in the background as Xavier sings on uh, wh- whatever that next Wednesday is after that KJ, week. KJ so. Costello coming out party. Yeah, yeah. Well, K- KJ uh, Costello going back in party. Uh, <laughs> I'll see at least two pick sixes. That's what I'll, I'll predict right now already. Um, a couple other uh, G five and. Um, a couple of the weird situations here. Southern Miss, we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the ITL CFF show, Nick, where uh, Southern Miss is having some weird exits. Jalen uh, Adams, their leading returning wideout is gone. Uh, Jock Turner and uh, Rachim Booth, both also gone to their top defenders. And uh, this is the team that is supposed to open up the year on Thursday night. So uh, th- it's looking a little strange right now at Southern Miss, right? Yeah, it, it feels a little weird. You don't really, you know, when we when we see one transfer at a time or, or maybe two, you don't think too much about it. But when you see almost half a dozen guys decide that that they're going to, you know, within a 24-hour period or, or even a you know 12-hour period, it sounded like uh, they lost a, a running back as well. You know, you, you wonder a little bit, or at least I do you know, is there something going on there? I, I had some pretty high hopes for Southern Miss this year. They, for basically the entire off season, were in our top four, top three of uh, the Conference USA power rankings that are probably going to be the biggest uh, competition for UAB in the Western Division. Uh, but this, you know, this news has, has dropped them a, a bit. They're down to 84th overall in our numbers and, and sixth 
in Conference USA as a whole. And, you know, it's just it, it really eliminates a lot of the, I think, margin for error. Uh, and teams are are much closer, it seems, in a conference like uh, Conference USA. So when you're losing, you know, you can't really afford to lose your top two players on defense. I mean, few few teams can, but you certainly can't if you're if you're Southern Miss. And and to lose an absolutely you know game break from a from a special teams perspective, Jalen Adams was incredible last year, returning punts and, and kicks, but he also had some big plays as, as a wide out as well, can stretch the field, was going to team up with uh, Tim Jones again to, to really be uh, one of the better one-two punches at, at the receiver position in that league. So uh, these are big, you know, big losses and bigger than most uh, you know, say Chirat was probably bigger on the whole, but this, as far as actually impacting a team's yeah. outlook for the season, uh, probably has a, a bigger, you know, bigger impact because is that Jack the Abraham, three top VG, VGR plus players, or Jack so, Abraham might be up there too. So uh, Turner was a ninety-four, okay. uh, which is their highest-rated player. Booth an eighty-six, who's who's just a, a one point below. Jack Abraham. Uh, we've got we've got Adams at an eighty five, which is right there about with with Tim Jones. So it's it's what three of the top four, yeah, the top five. So yeah. so a big hit and certainly a hit to the depth of, of the team. They're going to be relying on some new faces, especially in the receiving core. A couple of JUCO guys. Uh, we moved into the the starting uh, portion of the depth chart. That's unofficial, but I expect that. Uh, Jason Brownlee and, and Daquan Bailey Brown are probably going to have an opportunity to to step up and and be you know in the mix to be one of Jack Abraham's uh, top targets. And then they brought in three uh, signees at the running back position. They've had a couple of running backs transfer out, but they've they've got a JUCO guy in Don Ragsdale. They've got uh, two true freshmen, one of which is Frank Gore Jr. So those guys are are probably going to you know have an, an opportunity for carries early and, and then we'll see if somebody like Kevin Perkins, who's the most uh, experienced guy remaining, maybe he is, you know, the, the top running back to start, but they're going to, they're going to have to turn to some of these new faces and, and probably, you know, pick up the slack on what we expect to be a, a pretty good offense. And, and defensively their numbers aren't from a, a talent standpoint, you know, the, the very best, but they're, top half of Conference USA. I mean, they, they ranked in the top five on the defensive line at the linebacker, uh, in the linebacker unit, excuse me, and, and, you know, top two secondary, which the secondary still should be quite good. But to lose, you know, your best linebacker and, and best uh, defensive lineman, best overall player on, on the defensive line, that number is really going to take a hit when I, when I rerun those. I wouldn't be surprised if they drop, you know, into the double digits of, of Conference USA and maybe even the triple digits uh, for the defensive line, because right now they don't have anybody higher than a, a seventy-seven. There's no more triple digits in, in in those rankings, right? We just... we still count them all. We still uh, count. Them. Are we it's still counting them all? It's okay. too confusing. Yeah, <laughs> to, to go through and put dashes and things like that. I, yeah, we're, I mean, we're counting we, them all. <laughs> we can look through and see the active teams and, yeah. and go through with that. It's not hard. So, have you, uh, but. Xavier, uh, I mean, uh, th this team's going to be on national TV to start the year, and they're missing three of their top five players. That sucks. Well, it looks like it's all due to COVID. Um, 
that's first and foremost. Most of the, they, they've cited, COVID, yeah, yeah. They, they've cited COVID uncertainty as the reason for uh, Jalen definitely not deciding not to play. But the, the the weirdest thing has been now because of this, Southern Miss is changing their schedule. Uh, they 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 they've revised their schedule twice in the last two weeks uh, due to the amount of players who have decided to set out. They've moved, they've pushed their game back for Louisiana Tech back a week from September twelfth to September nineteenth. Um, and then they added a home game at the end of the year uh, for November 7th against Northern Alabama. So they are definitely giving them 12 games on the year. So it looks like they're giving themselves a love time after the first game to reassess and reevaluate their team because it doesn't look like they're going to be able to push back that September 3rd game. But it looks like now with all of these guys deciding to sit out, they're definitely like, okay, we need time to figure out the next step. We need an earlier bye week. Do we have a spread? And I hate to keep asking you these questions here. Hey, yeah. Do we have a spread on South Alabama Southern Miss for that first game? We do, and and it does uh, account for all the the changes we've got Southern Miss. So uh, we have a spread. There is yeah, not yeah. a the, there's the, not there's not a line at DraftKings or anything. The, no, not that I've not that I've seen in the last uh, few. There hours. shouldn't be. There there shouldn't be. Right. And that that's a quarterback thing in general. But when three of your top five players. Are missing usually if it's just a if it's a quarterback they'll adjust the line uh, and they won't if it's other things but I think given this uh, situation and, and plus Southern Miss moving their schedule around uh, you know no one wants to put a line so so on that so uh, to to answer your question we've got Southern Miss favored by seventeen which South Alabama is a really pretty rough you know they they're, are yeah they're, they're in the triple triple digits right. Uh, deep in the triple digits, yeah, yeah in the in the one twenties. Uh, yeah, uh, so so that that seems about right for for. Uh, I, I don't have any major issues with it no uh, as far no. as right right seeing what our our numbers say. Um, but Xavier, I, I believe on on that point you said of the schedule moving the Louisiana Tech game. Mm-hmm. Louisiana Tech had an opportunity to schedule Baylor. And it had to be ah. September twelfth. So I think that uh, was was the thing there. But yeah, I mean, you know, if if uh, if like you said that these these particular decisions, you know, if we're speculating that they were actually because these guys contracted uh, the virus, and, and could that perhaps be an indicator that Southern Miss has had? You know, I haven't I haven't dug deep enough to know if we've we've seen some numbers on, on guys, but if they're one of these programs that are a dozen or more cases, could this game actually be bumped later in the, the year? You know, if that September 12th is open for Southern Miss, you know, maybe they push it back a week and, and uh, looks like South Alabama uh, has a, a game against Tulane that day, but you know, maybe, maybe this game could be in danger. Hopefully not. Hopefully this is just some guys, deciding, hey, we want to be safer rather than sorry right. and, and, you know, maybe move on to a, another spot for whatever reason. But, you know, we're all we're going to have these concerns, these thoughts anytime we hear something like this. Right, right, exactly. When three of the top five guys opt out, you, you got to think something's going on there. And like yeah. Xavier said, could be COVID-related. That's what we're, we expect it to, to be. Either, you know, these guys aren't, they don't like the protocols or they just think it's too risky. So who knows? But a couple other weird uh, spots here. Um, Florida had four guys out. It was uh, Trevin Grimes, Kadarius Tony, who you've heard Nick uh, talk up on this podcast. Jacob Copeland and Zachary Carter all were out of. They're all going to be out of fall camp, 
And um, that's weird. We don't know if they're opting out yet or if, you know, they have COVID. Obviously, I don't think uh, the school is allowed to tell us if they have it or not. But all we know is they're not at camp right now. Right, Nick? Well, so the the first day, August 17th, those guys, it was reported, were not at practice. And, and there were some... Uh, you know, there were, there were some thoughts like, oh, okay, are these guys going to opt out? There, there have since been some somewhat cryptic tweets. I believe Trevin Grimes had a, a tweet that was just, you know, a couple emojis or, or said like week one or something. Uh, there is so nothing there, more annoying than the cryptic. <laughs> right. So, so people are like, oh, he's back. He, you know, he, he's not going to opt out. And I think Zachary Carter did a, a similar thing too. And, and maybe the other guys as well. But yeah, you know, uh, these would be huge losses if these guys did opt out from a football standpoint, because Florida's already uh, really inexperienced in the receiving core. And, and you know, Zachary Carter is a, a solid uh, defensive uh, lineman as well. So it certainly would hurt. And Florida is a team that we expect to compete in the SEC. So if these guys did decide to opt out from a football standpoint, it, it would, it would hurt for sure. But uh, if I were to guess now, if I were to try to, decode uh you know 20 21 year old uh guys Tweet. tweeting it sounds like maybe they're gonna be uh you know back in the fold if not already eventually so you know uh, we'll, we'll see yeah, let's go to our let's go to our expert here our <laughs> expert uh <laughs> what do they mean here what do these tweets mean i don't know what they mean they're just uh it's clown, eggplant, eggplant. What does that mean? Tell me. I'm not sure. So. This could be a complete over-exaggeration. The guys could have just not wanted to go to practice slash slept in. I mean, the it's a lot. Players don't like practicing. We're, we're 20-year-old kids. You're telling me we don't have to go out in the hot sun and run around for hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll stay inside and play 2K all day. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think Tre- Trevor Grimes and, and the rest of them, if he's tweeting about week one, he's going to play week one. Uh, that, that's all you need to know. At the end of the day, if he felt that he was going to not play, he'd keep his mouth shut uh, for the most part. I can't speak for all 24-year-olds, but as myself, I'd keep my mouth shut. But if I'm going to say, you know, being such an important piece to the team, you know, oh, oh, Miss, week one, fire emoji, I'm playing. That I, sounds, I'm that sounds like <laughs> You know, and, and, and I'm ready to go. You know, if he had said, like, oh, uh, oh Miss, week one, and would have had like a question mark oh, or the, a thinking the... face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or something <laughs> like that. Then, then, then you gotta worry about it a little bit. That's you gotta worry. Uh, I love. I love that Nick had to act it out. Uh, but yeah. you know, um, it's great radio. This needs to be that needs that <laughs> needs to be a meme every time Nick needs to make an adjustment to to the numbers after a game. It's like, should I take that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I you know. I think that it's a big loss if these guys don't play. They already lost all of their production receiving wise for the most part in the last uh, in this past year. You know they lost Van Jefferson, they lost a bunch of seniors. To not have him, who was who barely scratched the surface of his ability last year with only 433 yards, only three touchdowns on uh, under 50 catches. They need as much talent as they can get in the passing game because we all know the woes that they had running the football last year. I just text a bunch of Florida sources to try to figure out what's going on. So I might be able to give you guys an answer with that quickly. I just got text back. They're playing. So there you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So there My, you go. Uh, Nick changing the numbers up for me would have to be like tornado, 
bunch of numbers, tornado, lightning, lightning, like something like that would have to be the emoji. crying emoji. Yeah. Crying emoji. Yeah. Uh, another guy opts out crying emoji, tornado, tornado, number, number, number. That, that's what it would have to be. Uh, I, I, that's, that's what it's like for and me doing the CFF ranks right now. This, this so. is what it looks like when I'm changing the, the numbers. It's constant. It's every, yeah, yeah. it's every, I'm doing it right now. guys. So <laughs> this is what it looks like. Exactly. Um, uh, the last one, uh, that we will spend some time on as far as the opt outs, I'll burn through a couple other ones here, but, uh, Vandy had five players opt out at least so far, including three projected offensive line starters and their leading tackler in linebacker Dimitri Moore. I mean, should they just go ahead and shut it down for the year? I mean, for God's sake. Yeah. They're already not I, good. Three offensive linemen and the leading tackler. Ooh. I don't I don't see how Vanderbilt wins a game. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm being I'm being honest about yeah? it. Our our numbers totaling all the, the win percentages and, and unfortunately it's it's a little more involved for me to to uh, change those right now. So this isn't our most up-to-date number, but before these opt-outs, we had Vanderbilt expected to win 1.01 games on average. So that meant they were going to somehow luck into a win, kind of like they did against Missouri last year. But we've got them, you know, 3% against Texas A&M, 3% against LSU, 21% South Carolina, 12% Missouri. So, you know, it's it's we have them as a two-touchdown underdog in every – regular season game, at least. So it's going to be very, very difficult. Once I adjust these numbers for more being gone, for the, the offensive line is now, you know, it, it was already uh, second worst in, in the SEC, according to our numbers, ranked 63rd nationally. With these guys gone, uh, there's a, a, you know, this was three of their top four rated offensive linemen. So uh, th- those numbers are probably going to creep toward the triple digits. And, and they're already in the triple digits in quarterback and running back They're as an offense as a whole, we're 98th before this happened. So uh, big, big losses. They're already at a major talent disadvantage. Always. They don't have great coach rating numbers. Derek Mason, unfortunately is kind of gone in the wrong direction uh, since, you know, the, the, uh, a couple of years ago, we're solid, got to a bowl game, and, and when he was first there, their defense was really solid. But last year was bad, and, and things are not shaping up very well for, for this season. And, and I mentioned I sent out uh, sort of a quick rundown on the win totals and, and week one uh, spreads to our patrons uh, yesterday. And one of the first numbers I saw from uh, an online Odds maker had the the win total set for Vanderbilt at one and a half, and it had already been you know bet to to like negative you know minus one sixty or something. I just checked on it uh, a bit ago. It's minus two forty five now. I'm trying so, to take it down. The, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, that 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 seems like such a sure thing. I mean, are they but one and a half? How how are they going to win a game, much less yeah. two? I just yeah, I mean. I'm, it have to be a COVID outbreak, right? Like that's that's gonna have to be the way they win a game. But uh, I mean, are they allowing people in stadiums in in Nashville and Tennessee? Uh, to, I haven't to heard about Tennessee. Georgia today announced twenty or twenty five percent capacity. Georgia Tech, same thing. It, so. Are are you going the same place here, Xavier? If they, if they win a game at home, will there be enough people to take the goalpost down? That's my question. No, no, 
No, you need at least, <laughs> you need at least like eighty. They'll probably get sixty-five. <laughs> they might need the band's help and a couple of extra quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, oh, but I was going to go on a, on a tiny rant about that. Uh-uh. Uh, hello, Georgia. Yeah, twenty to twenty-five percent. But we'll do it based off of who gives us the most money. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's how and, the world works. Yeah, I was like, I was like. <laughs> Are they fans? Are is you it sure? open seating too? Like, how is it going to work? I mean, uh, that's a good question. They, they pay them tens of thousands of dollars. They're going to be literally. It's going to be literally Vince Dooley and his grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I I get literature from uh, the old alma mater that uh, wants wants my money, and for a while <laughs> there's you know there I, I don't I haven't looked closely at it recently but for a while it was you can donate this amount of money to be eligible to purchase season tickets did, so. did you uh <laughs> you ever seen that john mulaney bit on uh donating donating money to your alma mater he was like uh no i already gave you money that was <laughs> right. why i paid you i'm still uh, paying for it yeah and, and i'm still paying you guys. <laughs> you check every month i'm not going to also give you money now that i have money that's not going to happen you wanted money when i didn't have any and i still gave it to you <laughs> I'm not going to give you money now that I have it either. Uh, so that, that's always a funny bit by Mulaney. But a couple other opt-outs. I mean, you know, some of these guys like a USC defensive lineman, uh, Jay Tulefi, um, he opted out. He's going to focus on the draft. So is Colorado State wide receiver Warren Jackson, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, Ole Miss offensive lineman Eli Johnson opting out. USF has had at least seven players, including Eddie McDoom and, um, you know, starting linebacker Devin Gill opt out and then pop Williams uh, is uh, currently away from Memphis and he's on a personal leave of absence is what they're saying right now. So those guys also opted out. We weren't going to get to see, uh, you know, Jake Tufeli or uh, Warren Jackson play anyway. So they're just going to go ahead and focus on the NFL draft. We do have some transfer news here and um, there's some big ones. Oklahoma state starting offensive lineman, Bryce Bray and a potential starter, Jacob Farrell both entered the transfer portal. Uh, Farrell landed at North Texas. We're still waiting to see where Bray is going to go, Nick. Yeah, that that one was a bit of a surprise. And to see two guys in quick succession, uh, succession uh, leaving Oklahoma State was was a bit of a bit of a surprise. And and Bray is, has uh, been uh, gotten a little bit of buzz uh, that I've seen over the offseason pretty you know some some folks i believe pff did uh had him on a list of you know top 10 big 12 returning offensive linemen or something early in the the off season so a bit of a surprise uh oklahoma state has already lost their uh, returning starter at left tackle to a medical retirement and, and of course we know that uh, they've got some really high expectations with Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace coming back and Spencer Sanders, another year uh, of experience under his belt. So, uh, you know, folks think that, that Oklahoma State can compete in the Big 12, especially if, you know, Oklahoma's got uh, some depth issues potentially. And, and uh, our numbers really do like Oklahoma State. They have a very similar power rating to what Utah had this time last year. And, and Utah, of course, competed for a Pac-12 title. So uh, we expect some good things, but this is a hit to if there was an area of concern. I I think offensive line probably was towards the top of that list with uh, some holes that they had to plug. They're uh, already relying on a a grad transfer coming in from West Virginia, probably going to start. And and now you're seeing uh, not only a couple of guys who were 
either listed as starters or, or expected to compete, but you know, you're losing depth from a unit that already didn't have a ton of it. So uh, these are, are not, you know, these are not moves that maybe make uh, huge headlines, but it's something to watch because uh, the offensive line, you know, if it's not working, it's going to be difficult. I think Chuba Bird, you know, Chuba Birdie, Chuba Hubbard, uh, <laughs> getting ahead of myself, mm-hmm. uh, could you know can can outrun plenty of guys, but he's he's got to have a little bit of help from the offensive line. So something to watch as as Oklahoma State, you know, really does ramp up to to try to compete for a uh, Big Twelve title this year. And Xavier, I can't, I already can't remember which one of you guys mentioned this, but uh, going into the transfer portal and kind of seeing how the this season plays out and maybe playing in the spring if it if it looks good i think that could be the move we're seeing here from these oklahoma state kids maybe, you know maybe they just don't want to be involved as guinea pigs for the first run of college football during covid yeah and i hate to bring it back up but maybe this is something stemming from mike gundy and his decision earlier this year you, you know, know i thought about that but i think that if that was the case that those guys would have left then. Well, I'll say this. Well, where I think you're right there, it may be a, a worry about the leadership at that point. You know, okay. it might not have yeah. been that that in uh, particular instance, but if you know the guy, you know, controlling the boat doesn't know how to control the boat, then you might want to get off the boat. So, right. you know, I, I think it's one of those situations where at least they, get a life jacket. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> and, and this is their life jacket. This is their preserver. Yeah, yeah. Hop into the transfer portal. One went to North Texas where he may feel more comfortable being there, playing in the spring, you know, especially for him. Because I feel like for Bray, at least, he has been talked about as a as a potential draft uh, draftee. So I think for him, it's a decision on I just don't want to be stupid enough to play in a, you know, and possibly catch COVID or anything like that. This might just be a, a move for him to kind of stay around football and stay in shape until the draft happens. And then he yeah. can just go off and play in the draft. So. Uh, yeah, so I think that might be this decision from the both of them here is to look for greener pastures where they can make a better decision come the springtime, like you just and, said. And the big guys, too. I mean, you got to remember COVID there. And the more we learn about it, uh, you know, it's a circulatory disease. So uh, it, it's it, it affects those big guys, it seems like, harder. You know, it's always kind of been a, a, you know, not good for us fatties. Uh, I understand that. But uh, these guys are big, too. And you see guys, you see some guys, it, it usually looks like when they get done playing football, they go one of two ways, right? They either go with the, I'm going to go hiking and get skinny. I mean, Jeff Saturday is not recognizable. And, uh, if Alan Fanica was right here in front of me, I wouldn't know who it was. I'd be like, is this a starving person? I don't know who this is. So, but, uh, you know, then there's guys like Casey Hampton. You know, who are, uh, you know, they get in that off season and uh, they, they get in rough shape. So you just never know. And I think, uh, you know, you can't blame anyone for opting out, but specifically with those, uh, you know, guys on the lines. So then uh, a couple of, um, you know, non-competers in the fall uh, transferring here. Washington State wide receiver Tay Martin and defensive back uh, Skylar Thomas entered the transfer portal. Uh, that's pretty surprising. Colorado State tight end Trey McBride entered the portal, and we're thinking possibly South Carolina because of the ties uh, there. And then Marshall quarterback Isaiah Green, who entered the portal, portal last week, has returned to the Thundering Herd. So we'll see if he even keeps his job. But uh, some interesting moves here, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the Washington State uh, ones were were pretty interesting. I, I 
again, you know, trying to, to read tweets, but Skylar Thomas's was uh, was pretty easy for me to, uh, to to dissect. He just said he wants to play ball. So it sounds like, you know, maybe he's looking for an opportunity uh, immediately at, at a conference that is playing uh, right now. So we've talked before how that's really difficult, I think, time-wise. I mean, you know, we're 15 days away from, from uh, kickoff at, at the G5 level. And if he landed at an SEC team, then yeah, sure. Uh, they only opened up camp on Monday, so maybe he's got an opportunity to come in and and learn a system and and you know get on the field, but uh, might not be ready to push for. We would expect a, a guy of, of Skylar Thomas's uh, uh, ability to to be a starter wherever he ends up, and and you would think you know being this late in the process, it would be pretty difficult. Uh, to push for that, not just based on his skill and athleticism, but based on his understanding of a defense and roles and responsibilities and, and things like that. So it's going to be it's going to be tricky, but certainly something to watch. And and you know, Tay Martin, we expected in a, a you know Nick Rolovich offense coming from uh, Hawaii and, and already, of course, you know, with his experience at Washington State, expected maybe a thousand yard type year. So. Uh, is that because of the system? He wasn't a particularly uh, highly recruited guy. He has been a little bit inconsistent, uh, but he's somebody that's that's had a productive career thus far, and, and uh, maybe he'll have an opportunity to, to play uh, as well. The Colorado State, you know, the thing is interesting. Trey McBride could potentially get to South Carolina. That makes sense because of the connection to Mike Bobo. They've already got Colin Hill, a transfer there uh, for, uh, you know, the quarterback position who's competing. They've already got a fullback, Adam Prentice, I believe his name is, transferred. And, and those guys have been playing in Mike Bobo's system for years. So they would be able to pick it up uh, quickly, assuming everything is, is the same and we expect it is. So that's certainly one to watch. You could see if that's the landing spot that, yes, he could come in and compete for a starting job and, and be a contributor because he's somebody that I think does have an NFL future. Uh, Trey McBride probably was going to be a really big part of uh, that Colorado State offense. But, you know, if he's looking for an opportunity at a, a bigger stage, then South Carolina makes some sense. Isaiah Green, you have to expect he's probably, I guess, the favorite to, to get the job again. He started, what, 21 games uh, for them, doesn't have to learn a new system. And they were they were down to the studs with, uh, with him gone. I mean, nobody else had, had stepped foot uh, on a, an FBS field. So I expect he'll probably get back in and, and hopefully he didn't uh, burn any bridges with teammates or anything like that stepping into the transfer portal. But uh, certainly something to watch because Marshall uh, did have a week zero game. It got pushed back to September 12th. So then, okay, we've got a little bit of extra time. But just in the last couple of days, they added a game against Eastern Kentucky uh, for that week one. So, you know, Hopefully he'll be able to get back and, and be at full speed as, as quickly as he can for, for Marshall's sake and, and for his as well. Uh, so uh, any any thoughts on these guys moving here, Xavier? I mean, Isaiah Green, do you think he burned that bridge? Oh, yeah. This sounds like a longest yard situation where they don't block from around play one just to send them a message and they say, Welcome back, buddy. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry if, if if my teammate was like, I'm gone, guys. I packed my bags. You know, imagine his roommates. His dorm's been empty over for the last two, three weeks. Now he comes back and he's like, 
I made the play, guys. Like that, that just doesn't. It's not something that typically just goes well. You don't think you get a pass for this year? Like, you know, maybe he was planning on going to a MAC team or something, and they're not playing, so he he just decides to come back. You don't think he gets a pass? Maybe a little bit more this year than in other years. Maybe from adults, not from a bunch of eighteen to twenty-one year olds that (laughs) are mad if you, you know, if you don't ask them if you got a burger, without I got a burger, come back. You like you ask to get me one? Come on! Oh, I I get pretty upset about that too. (laughs) If we're being, if we're being honest, I mean, come on, you didn't get me a, a burger, Xavier. (laughs) <laughs> like you live in Arizona, I could use a burger. <laughs> I did that to me a couple of days ago. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least you're over it. That's good. <laughs> um, but for Trey McBride, I really like the move. I, I like the move to South Carolina. This is a place that has been able to get. Oh, that's not, we're we're speculating, but oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that it makes the most sense for him, and obviously going to a destination that has had tight ends be drafted in the first round in the last couple of years. Hayden Hurst obviously comes to name. Then it's a great move for you. If you're next, if you want to get to the NFL, go to a place that has a pedigree at least recently of getting your position drafted. So I, I would love that move for him. I just think Tay McMartin and Skylar Thomas are too late. I just think it's way too late in the process to try to hop from Washington State to an SEC, ACC, Big 12, AAC team right now. Um, you're asking for too much from a from a perspective of that. And I don't even know if the NCAA would give him the waiver to play. Uh, I think we're all kind of forgetting that situation that it's not a definite if you transfer that, and we'll talk about one in just a second. If you transfer, you're going to play. Uh, so I don't even know if they'd get that waiver, but I just think it's too late in the process for a coach to spend time on doing that and handling that situation where they've got to prepare for a season that's a month away. And there were a couple of other transfers here. Cade Mays transferred uh, to Tennessee from Georgia and had his waiver denied, but they are going to appeal that. A Notre Dame offensive lineman, John Olmstead, entered the transfer portal. He was a four-star recruit last season, so it'll be interesting to see where he en- ends up. And then so the Miss actually did get a uh, quarterback transferring in, Trevor Lowe, or Trey Lowe, excuse me, uh, the third as a grad transfer uh, from WVU. So there was some, uh, you know, positive, uh, transfer news here. Uh, now the, uh, injuries and position battles, these, we really, uh, kind of went into depth on in the ITL CFF pod here, Nick, but, uh, there's a lot of stuff to cover. I mean, mainly Oklahoma wide receiver, Theo Howard, uh, reportedly suffered an Achilles injury in January is already back practicing. You mentioned that, uh, in the show yesterday, and that is pretty incredible. And there's tons of opportunity, uh, like we mentioned uh, on that show with all of these, uh, you know, running backs gone at Oklahoma that maybe they just pass the ball a little bit more. So uh, Theo Howard could be a big weapon in that offense. And then Florida State uh, freshman quarterback, you mentioned before, Chuba Purdy, uh, who was expected to compete with James Blackman, will miss the season with a broken collarbone. So it looks like James Blackman is the guy again. And, uh, you know, for however long he can do it he keeps surviving uh getting that job with uh, no competition and xavier is very upset he'll get his his uh piece in in a little bit here uh, kevin austin the wide receiver from notre dame expected to be the the top target for ian book is out eight to 12 weeks including four weeks without bearing activity he can't even walk so uh, looks like he's going to miss the whole year after the suspension year last year, the injury the year this year, it's just not looking good for his future. Uh, Clemson wide receivers, Amari Rogers, Frank Ladson, and Joseph Nada uh, missed 
Saturday scrimmage for protocol reasons. So we're guessing that that means maybe they tested positive and are isolating, but we'll have to see. Uh, Dalen Morris has taken control of the quarterback job at Navy over Perry Olsen. Chance Warren will move uh, back to slot back. So looks like uh, Dalen Morris over Chance Warren or over uh, Perry Olsen there. And then uh, in addition to the update on May, Tennessee also announced that uh, defense back Balin Buchanan will sit out the 2020 season after missing 2019 with a neck injury. And linebacker slash running back Jeremy Banks was reinstated after being dismissed nine months ago. So uh, there is a little bit of news. What's the what's the biggest one out of this? That Blackman is keeping his job, Nick? Uh, I, I think that, and like you said, we discussed this a little bit on, on the other show yesterday, that uh, in, in a silver lining, if you're searching for a silver lining, this at least perhaps gives you a little bit of more stability at the position because Purdy, you know, everybody's excited about the true freshman coming in, highly rated. Uh, Blackman's been a bit of a disappointment at times, very inconsistent. But, you know, you've got an experienced guy who uh, has played a lot of football, you know, has, has got – uh, guys that he works pretty well with skill position wise. And, and so I think that this, uh, un, you know, unfortunate for Purdy for sure, but could be perhaps a, a, uh, a positive for Florida state, or, or at least you try to turn it into one to say, okay, James Blackman, this is your team. This is your offense. You know, maybe that gives him a little more confidence and, and he can step up and, and uh, you know, take another step, uh, to step forward on the field. That would that would be great. Uh, they would certainly like to see that in, in Tallahassee. I think maybe the 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 biggest impact might be Kevin Austin. They were pretty excited about him at Notre Dame this year. Uh, had flashed, had done really well in practice, practice all year last year, even though he was suspended, and and then uh, in workouts had heard some good things from reporters about uh, some growth that he had made. They were really expecting a pretty big year uh, from him. So not to have that top target, now you're kind of looking around. Notre Dame has a couple of other options, a couple of seniors, you know, a newcomer in, in uh, Barris Gronick from Northwestern, and, and then uh, a, a guy that sort of has been a little bit of a bl- uh, late bloomer um, at Notre Dame, was, was relatively highly uh, rated coming out of high school, but just didn't play very much his first three or four years, Javon McKinley, who did have a decent, you know, second half of the season, but is he a number one guy? You know, not sure. So they're probably going to rely on some youngsters, Braden Lindsay, uh, a sophomore, and, and they've got a true freshman that they're really excited about. Oh, Lawrence Keyes also a sophomore, but uh, Jordan Johnson is, is the highest rated player. Uh, on the unit from a, a recruiting rating standpoint. So maybe an opportunity for him to uh, really step up and, and be a big time player as a true freshman. And, and then maybe, you know, the tight ends are, are going to be a little bit bigger part of the offense for Ian Book, uh, maybe even more than, you know, Cole Komet was last year. So that's a big one as well. Uh, we did see that that uh, Rogers returned to practice on Tuesday for Clemson. So that's a good sign. Hopefully the other guys will be back soon as well. And then, you know, we're going to have a lot of notes on Army and Navy coming up uh, because they're playing. They're in a bubble already. Yeah. They're, you know, they're if they can find somebody to play, Army's basically rebuilt its schedule in the last 10 days. So I'm going to be watching, you know, everything I can on YouTube for Army and Navy and, and them. And, and uh, you know, I, I have a feeling 
it, it, worst case scenario, doomsday scenario, we're still going to get an Army Navy game. So we will we will break it down as best we can. And, and you know, maybe this is something to watch because Chase Warren, uh, they were hoping maybe could be a, a uh, Malcolm Perry type guy. He's he's the best athlete on the team, uh, and they were hoping maybe to to put him in the quarterback position. And, and Dalen Morris was third on the depth chart at the start of. Uh, practices uh, a week or so ago and, and to see him really take charge of this role is, you know, it's good to know and, and talk about a, a coaching staff that is, you know, upfront about it. You wouldn't necessarily expect an FBS head coach to say, Oh yeah, the guy who was the third stringer last week is the starter now. And he's probably going to be our starter. And we moved one of the other guys to another position, but you know, can Diamatololo and then maybe, uh, are, are being upfront with us, and we appreciate that. And, and uh, be interesting to see what Dalen Morris can do as probably only year as a starter as a, as a senior. Now, I just saw this, uh, and it happened while we're recording here. But um, uh, it, it says that Ohio State AD is actively planning for return of football and winter sports. So. Um, and there was something a couple hours ago that seemed like it might have been dead in the water after uh, the Big Ten announced they're just not uh, going to play football. But it was something about it was David Hookstead, who's a check mark on Twitter. He said Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Nebraska are reportedly nearing an agreement to play their own football season starting in late September. That would be 10 games. So that's interesting news. Uh, I don't know if any of it is going to actually happen because the uh, immediate tweet right under that is the vote by the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors was overwhelmingly in support of postponing fall sports, and it will not be revisited. Uh, It's officially over. Big Ten football is dead. But the report that Ohio State is planning to return came out 25 minutes ago. So... um, Interesting story that we'll have for next week. It looks like uh, if there are any big updates here. Yes, Xavier. It only makes sense because I know we'd all talked about a spring season, but as far as from a football timeline, both college and professionally, you got to get these kids out of here before the draft gets go. You know, that that process starts in what? Mid-March with the combine. Starts in January, the senior bowl. Oh, very true. So it, it makes it very difficult to suggest that you're going to keep kids in your, you know, a part of your program into the spring, into the draft. Uh, at the very latest, I think they could keep them into, like I said, maybe mid early March. They might just have to skip the senior bowl or guys get a leave, leave to get to leave to go to the senior bowl and come back. I don't know how that necessarily will work, but to think that the Big Ten would return in January makes a lot more sense than thinking that they would return in more of a springtime type of setting. Uh, there's going to be some cold games. Those, <laughs> those are going to be some awful games for me. Not in Arizona. It, they'll be nice. It's that, beautiful, but, man, Ohio in the, in January, Michigan in January, that sounds <laughs> awful. Yeah, see, that's when it, we've had this unbelievable heat uh you know heat wave here in arizona and it's already hot so having a heat wave here it just it, it i can't imagine yeah and nick's over there wearing long sleeves like a yeah, joke. Right, right, right. uh yeah so yeah, laugh it up buddy because it's going to be 75 and beautiful here in december 
when it's snowing and gross out for you. So uh, good point. It's good point. It, it it'll be yeah. I mean, it, it'll get colder for you though than it will for me for sure. But uh, did you have any thoughts on any of this uh, depth chart stuff? James Blackman has got to be the most average quarterback to have ever <laughs> continued to keep his job. Got to be in the last decade. Can I, I interest, you, interest you in David Ash? David Ash played for a while at Texas. He was pretty, pretty 50 50, you know. Did he get benched in his sophomore year and then get his job back his, his junior year? I don't remember. So um, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, <laughs> this has been the tenure of James. He had a Black. lot of concussions. So. Okay, but maybe he never reached his full potential due to injury. Very this guy true. has had the has had the privilege of playing for one of the biggest teams in football because of injury. I'm talking about 2,200 yards. He's thrown double digit interceptions every year. He's played more than you know three games. I, 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 <laughs> man, it must be lovely to be James Blackman because here's the craziest thing about it too. The university, the fans don't expect anything from him either. So it's just, it's just lovely. If he, if he plays great, Florida State fans are like, "Wow, we got more than we bargained for." <laughs> if he plays bad, then they're like, "It's James Blackman." So it's a win-win for this guy in every single facet of his life right now. Uh, another couple quick bits of news before we go here: Virginia Tech redshirt junior uh, running back Rasheem Blackshear was denied his waiver by the NCAA, although the Hokies will appeal. South Carolina head coach Will Muschamp said on Monday that there will be an open competition for the starting quarterback job. So that's the type of stuff we like to hear coming out of uh, camps and things like that. Georgia redshirt sophomore quarterback JT Daniels has yet to be cleared for football activities. Uh, Pitt redshirt freshman quarterback Joey Yellen was granted immediate eligibility for this campaign. So he will back up Kenny Pickett. Uh, Mississippi State junior wide receiver Malik Heath was arrested on five charges, including speeding DUI on Wednesday. And East Carolina running back Raji Harris has turned some heads in early practices and is reportedly pushing for playing time. So uh, lots of, of little bits there, but like the open competition in South Carolina and the fact that Joey Yellen may, uh, you know, you know, I don't think he'll beat Pickett, but he'll at least push Pickett a little bit. That, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say that's coach speak. That is coach speak at its finest. It's an open competition. I know you. Yeah. Oh, I, was, I thought you were talking about Pickett. No, no, no. I'm but. talking. No, no, no. I'm talking about Muschamp. I think it's. Oh, I think it's coach speak. I think Halinski. I don't think it is. I think Halinski's the guy. Period. The only reason why he didn't play consistently last year was due to injury. I think it's his job to lose. Uh, when I think when coaches say it's an open competition, everybody has their guy. They like they have their guy yes. coming into the year, and I think when they say open competition, it's okay. We have this guy. If he sucks, we'll play the other one. But if he uh, plays now, anywhere near his ability, we're gonna play. I think when you have an incumbent starter and you say that uh, you know there is an open competition, it's, it means your guy is one of the other guys, and you want him to beat out. The guy that you have starting if that doesn't happen okay we can go to the guy that started uh but i don't think you would be taking away confidence from helinski uh unless you had someone else and i think nick is with me we kind of like luke Doty, uh the incoming freshman here so uh there's other options as well colin hill transferred in too uh who has experience at colorado state but what are your thoughts nick so I, I think that Holinsky, Ryan Holinsky, has a, a good long-term future in South Carolina. Still, I, I and think I do that too. He got, for the record, I think I he think got he sort of pushed into 
the fire, uh, you know, a little too early because Jake Bentley went down with a season ending injury in the uh, week one. Uh, but they obviously brought Colin Hill in, you know, for a reason. And, and he's somebody who's had uh, uh, a horrible injury history, unfortunately. Uh, that move when it happened made me think, okay, this is a depth move. This is maybe a, another, you know, coach on the field type thing because he knows Mike Bobo's system. But everything that we've heard so far, whether it's Coach Speak or not, has, has said that Colin Hill has a real shot to win this job. And I know that Bobo really did like him at Colorado State, and, and he's been productive when he's been on the field. He's just had, I want to say, three ACL injuries the last three years, just something – ridiculous but but you're right scott luke Doty. i mean the fans seem to really 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 uh be on the luke Doty uh hype train and he's an exciting guy and, and uh we'll, we'll see i mean this quarterback room is a lot better uh now than it looked maybe towards the end of last season when we saw that jake bentley was transferring and it was just ryan Helinski, you know left after having a uh uh, some good games, but, you know, not consistent, played like a freshman a lot. And the offense, you know, uh, from a yards per play standpoint, he was he was not impressive at all. So uh, I, I hope that he'll be able to take a, a step forward, take, a, a, you know, learn a lot from his year of experience, improve because of that, but also improve with the added competition here. I, I think that, like, I do have him slashed. Alinsky and Colin Hill as, as co-starters in our depth chart, but partly that's because they have basically the same rating, so it doesn't matter. So it's kind yeah. of a kind of a, a cheap thing to do on, on my part. Yes. But if I were to if I were to actually say, like, okay, you have to bet on who's who's going to be the starter in week one, I would bet on Ryan Holinsky, I think. I'll 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 put down a, a little wager too. I bet I don't all, I don't sing, Scott. All three of those guys will start a game this year. Could oh, be. I, I will take that bet, Scott. It could be. You got to give me two to one at least. <laughs> I, I, you know, hold on. Let me think. <laughs> I, I might not take that bet. Just because I, I think South Carolina will be that bad with all game opportunity to play. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to take that bet. Because I, yeah, I, 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 I think I think you may be on my side after I, rethinking it. I was going to have you come in here and, and crow like a Gamecock. But, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> No, nah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, it wouldn't matter because Xavier, Xavier, still that bet, so. you could you could negotiate terms to say, uh, you know, all three start a game no matter what, and then the cancel, you know, the game gets the season gets canceled after two games, you win. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that's, that's true, true, but but let's not <laughs> let's not bet on that stuff to happen. When none right. of us want that, you're right. So um, edit that out. I didn't say that. <laughs> Yeah, the, the magic. Oh, look, and now we're ending. Uh, but re- remember, uh, you can follow us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for me, at CFP Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. And Nick, tell us about the Patreon before we go here. Yeah, real quick, I mentioned a couple of times that I wrote uh, just a, a real uh, short look at the SEC with the new schedule and, and uh, week one projections versus point spreads and, and then win totals. We had, you know, three, you know, we don't sell picks. We, we try to avoid the traditional, you know, touting type stuff, but there were three things that really jumped out to me that were pretty, uh, looked a little off and two of the win totals are already just completely 
uh, obliterated from an odd standpoint uh, that that we were on the the right side of. Uh, you know, so if you're looking for that type of information quickly, uh, we we try to provide it. And, and on that note, uh, we have a, a color coded system. If you haven't seen our team profiles, we do highlight you know who, who's a transfer coming in or out, who's injured, uh, different things. And I did want to note that uh, I am making updates to the injuries. So there's a lot of orange, which is our injury uh, color, uh, because I, I have kept guys highlighted if they missed games at the end of last season and, and things like that. I will start to update that once we see uh, the, the news from camp that, okay, this guy's 100%. In some cases, I'll, I'll take that away. Uh, some guys, I think it's important to, to remember, so I might keep it. But just keep in mind, if a guy is listed on the depth chart, even if he's highlighted orange, we still expect him to play. If he's removed from the depth chart, he's expected to be out. So just a note for our, our patrons there or, or potential patrons. But, yeah, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. Uh, we try to keep uh, you know the best and most up-to-date depth charts uh, available in the industry, and, and I'm making – anywhere between 25 and 100 changes a day, just depending on what uh, we hear coming out of camps and, and all the great work from beat reporters. We couldn't do it without them, so really appreciate that. But we try to take, uh, you know, stay up on on that sort of thing and make schedule changes as quick as we can. We've got to be adaptable in, in our current environment, and we try to do the best we can. So uh, if you're interested in something like that, we really would appreciate the support. You should, can uh, support this show by being a, a tier one patron, five bucks a month. But if you're interested in, in all the database information and, and up to date, uh, you know, player ratings, coach ratings, team performance, all that stuff, uh, tier two is what you want. That's $15 a month. We really would appreciate that support. It's uh, it's great stuff. And we're going to have more for it next week. We're going to be breaking down some games. Look at that. That's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, lots more college football coming up on CFB Winning Edge. So stick with us, and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.